Well, you've been enjoying a number of selections that uh, Sam actually picked out. Uh, a number of uh, songs that uh, he had asked to simply be played, music that he enjoyed, and uh, we're grateful to have been able to provide uh, those songs. Uh, after the service, uh, the, that will play through again as well. Um, and uh, for your enjoyment, if you want to stay for a few minutes and listen to those, uh, or you're welcome to come uh, to the luncheon that will be provided down the hallway here um, and to stay for that as well. Uh, at this time, uh, family has put together a video uh, of Sam and uh, of his life, and so uh, we're going to be uh, watching that uh, both here and afar. So welcome to those of you who are uh, live streaming uh, the service. Uh, thankful for that. We're grateful that all of you could come today and, and to be a part of this memorial, whether you're here in person or whether uh, you're joining us on live stream. So at this time, we're going to enjoy uh, that which has been put together for us.
we certainly want to thank family for putting that together. But, uh, and you did a good job encapsulating uh, Sam's life, but we know that uh, it was far more than what pictures can ever bring out. Uh, but thank you for that. And uh, for those of us who only knew him, perhaps for small segments of his life, uh, what a portrayal of uh, the fullness and abundance of life that the Lord Jesus Christ gives to those who are his. His son Jonathan is uh, going to be saying a few words, probably from a different perspective as Sam's son. John? Thank you. Thank you all for coming. It is such a joy to us as a family to see many of you here to celebrate Sam's life, my dad's life. Uh, we're not here to mourn, although we are. Uh, we're here to truly celebrate uh, the life of a man that was given over to Jesus Christ. And uh, all the glory is to be his. If I were to encapsulate dad's life in one word, it would be worship. That was uh, what he stood for. That's what he lived for. That's what he preached. Uh, one time I asked him, what motivated you to give your life as a missionary for all those years, 70 plus years on the foreign mission field? And without hesitation, he said, it wasn't so much about the souls of men, although I'm concerned for them. I'm, I'm concerned for their eternal destiny. It's much more about the glory of God. I want people to come to know God through Jesus Christ, so that they will become worshipers of the God I love. And that um, really sums up his life. That's what motivated him to do all, all that he did. Uh, I want to thank those that are viewing uh, remotely, also on streaming. Uh, many of you are in Mexico and maybe other parts of the world. Uh, thank you. Les doy muchas gracias a los que están acompañándonos hoy, celebrando lo que Dios ha hecho a través de este hombre, un siervo humilde de Dios. And uh, as a family, we really want to thank Anne that uh, we know that if it had not been for her, we would be doing this. We would have done this many, many years ago. But she not only kept Dad going, but kept them very happy, kept them very fulfilled. And so thank you very much on behalf of the entire family. We thank you. I have a letter I'm going to attempt to read from the missionary, Christian Missionary Alliance uh, that dad and mom served under for many, many years. Um, if I can find it. And this, too, uh, just lays forth what Dad stood for. Uh, and again, I read this not to so much honor Dad, but to honor the God that he loved and served so well. And it reads, Dear family and friends of Samuel Joshua Smith, on behalf of the leaders of the Alliance Missions, and Missionary Alliance, Christian Missionary Alliance, I would like to express our sincere condolences as you grieve the passing of this dear man today. 
In the time of sorrow, please know that our thoughts and prayers are with you all. This, however, is also a day to celebrate Sam's life, a life that was well-lived for his Lord and Savior. Someday, before God's throne, Samuel will stand with those souls, both here and abroad, who found Jesus because they went with a heart of compassion to share God's grace and mercy in Mexico. God used Sam and Mary Ellen mightily, planting churches and sharing the gospel with everyone that they met. Perhaps the greatest endeavor of Sam's life was founding Camp Oasis that serves over 90 groups a year. The fruit from that ministry is immeasurable. His later, pushed the wrong button, sorry about that. His later partnership with his lovely wife, Annabelle, brought grace and hospitality to missionaries from all around the world, as well as the ongoing outreach they had to Spanish-speaking individuals in Michigan. The rejoicing and celebration will be unmistakable as people from all nations give praise and worship to the King of Kings and Lord of Lords, for whom Samuel served. Paul wrote these encouraging words that could also be written of Samuel out of 2 Corinthians 2, 14 and 15. Thanks be to God, who always leads us in his triumph in Christ and manifests through, a, through us the sweet aroma of the knowledge of him in every place. For we are a fragrance of Christ to God among those who are being saved and among those who are perishing. Samuel Joshua Smith was a fragrance of Christ to God. Today, Sam is home and in God's presence. The one that he loved, adored, and served with his whole heart. We are so grateful for the example of selfless living so that others could recognize the fragrance of Christ to him in a lost world. With our love and gratefulness, Timothy D. Crouch, Vice President of Ministries. I'd like to read just a few verses out of what has become our family psalm, Psalm 103. Bless the Lord, O my soul. And all that is within me, bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget none of his benefits, who pardons all your iniquities, who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit, who crowns you with loving kindness and compassion, who satisfies your years with good things, so that your youth is renewed like the eagle. So once again, I'm just very grateful for all of you being here and those of you that are joining us remotely uh, to celebrate, truly. Through the grief, yes, there are tears. We miss him. But uh, the, not the hope. Hope is not solid. The assurance that we have of being in the presence of God with Dad, with all the millions that have gone before us, all because of the grace of God through Jesus Christ. So thank you again. As we think about Sam's life, we see God's hand at work throughout. In fact, it's been at work for generations to bring about uh, a man that we call Samuel Smith, a man that uh, some of you refer to as dad, grandpa, great-grandpa, husband, friend. 
God brought him into our life because God's the one who leads. God's the one who guides. God's the one who directs. I'd ask you to turn in the songbooks, the red ones that are in front of you, to the hymn, He Leadeth Me, O Blessed Thought. And we'll stand to sing. We're not uh, mighty in numbers, but we're mighty in spirit, I believe, this morning. So let's stand and sing the four stanzas, 526.
You may be seated. Let's come before the Lord in prayer. Father, we do thank you in this morning hour for the life that you have given into this world, that you have formed and created and knit together a special and unique individual that we came to know as Samuel Smith. We thank you, Father, that he was your work, your creation. You gave to him his uniqueness, his abilities, his talents. But, Father, more than that, you gave to him not only his first life, but you gave him his second life. It was you who caused him to be born again into Jesus Christ. And so the real meaning, the real purpose of his life was found, even at a young age. And yet, Father, it was found, and it was found truly. For it was rooted by faith in his Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We thank you for a life dedicated and a commitment to that message of the gospel, that we are saved by faith through grace. This not of ourselves, but it is the gift of yourself to us. And it is found in Christ alone. We thank you, Father, for family that we see was so precious as we look at these pictures. We thank you for those that came to hold a special place in his life. Those who were given the title of wife. Those who were given the title of children. Those, Father, who were given the title of friend over the years. And especially, Father, those that you used Sam for to bring to our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Great has been your gift. Great is your faithfulness. In Christ Jesus' name alone we pray and all God's people say, Amen. Let's sing that hymn as well, 245. Sam and Anne's selections for the service. 245, great is thy faithfulness. Let's remain seated as we sing those three stanzas.
As Jonathan put it so well, that uh, the sum and substance of Sam's life is found in the word worship. We read of that in the book of Colossians in these words. And so from the day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will and all spiritual wisdom and understanding, so as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. May you be strengthened with all power according to his glorious might, for all endurance and patience with joy, giving thanks to the Father, who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. He has delivered us from the dominion of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved Son, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation, for by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, Visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. And through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. Those of us who are believers here this morning know that the Apostle Paul was speaking of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, the one who is indeed worthy. Revelation chapter 5. And between the throne and the four living creatures and among the elders I saw a lamb standing, as though it had been slain with seven horns and with seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent out into all the earth. And he went and took the scroll from the right hand of him who was seated on the throne. And when he had taken the scroll, the four living creatures and the twenty-four elders fell down before the lamb each holding a harp and golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. And they sang a new song, saying, Worthy are you to take the scroll and to open its seals, for you were slain, and by your blood you ransomed people for God from every tribe and language and people and nation. You have made them a kingdom and priests to our God, and they shall reign on the earth. Then I looked, and I heard around the throne And the living creatures and the elders, the voice of many angels, numbering myriads of myriads and thousands of thousands, saying with a loud voice, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing. And I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and in the sea and all that is in them saying, To him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb, Blessing and honor and glory and might forever and ever. The living creatures said, Amen. The elders fell down and worshipped. That is where the soul of our friend, of our loved one, is today. 
falling down before the Lamb, worshiping, praising Him. Sam had selected the song Majesty. It's found in number 74 in the chorus book. This is one of those selections where you think of somebody 90 years old picking a song out of a chorus book. Gives you the uniqueness of this man. But if it was good music, it didn't matter if it was in a book, a praise book, on a screen, it didn't matter. If it was good music, it was worth singing. So I invite you to stand with me this morning, raise this song of praise, even as the church in glory is as well. Majesty. Let's sing. You may be seated. Job wrote, I know that my Redeemer liveth. We're going to enjoy a selection from Handel's Messiah at this time. Another selection that uh, Sam uh, appreciated, enjoyed, and uh, we hope and pray that it will speak to your heart even in this day as well.
Job wrote, Oh, that my words were written. Oh, that they were inscribed in a book. Oh, that with an iron pen and lead they were engraved in the rock forever. For I know that my Redeemer lives. That in the last he will stand upon the earth. And after my skin has been thus destroyed, yet in my flesh shall I see God, whom I shall see for myself, and my eyes shall behold, and not another. As far the reading of God's word. As we reflect upon these words, for I know that my Redeemer lives, and that in the last he shall stand. Upon the earth. Four things come to mind as we look at those verses. First of all, this is a statement that acknowledges a need. I know that my Redeemer lives. For chapter after chapter, Job's friends have been berating him. Job's friends have been taunting him. Job's friends have been going after him. Job now says, Oh, Oh, that these words could be inscribed somewhere. Gentlemen, I know that my Redeemer lives. It's a phrase that reminds us of a need. We need a Redeemer. Here in the text, the the passage is Gaal. It's that phrase that we perhaps think about more as the kinsman Redeemer. The one who comes to the aid of. The one who comes and rescues. The one who will come and be the advocate for. We think back to the story of Boaz and Ruth and how Boaz had to function as Ruth's kinsman redeemer. The one who came to her aid. The one who rescued her. The one who brought her up out of her poverty and out of her misery. Job says, I have one of those too. I have a redeemer, a Gaal, one who will ultimately stand and defend me, one who will be my advocate. It's almost as if Job is saying to his friends, I, I, you guys are just keep coming at me and I can't take it anymore, but I have one, I have one, I have a redeemer, and my redeemer is the one who is going to be my defense. The question is, why does Job need a defender? He has been advocating all along. He has done nothing wrong. Sometimes I think we understand what Job is saying in a wrong way. We, We sometimes think Job is saying, I have not sinned at all. And that's not what Job is saying. What Job's friends are saying to him is, you've committed some some great sin. You've con." You've you've done something heinous, Job. God God would not be bringing this upon you if if you hadn't done something horribly wrong. What do you have buried in your backyard? Dig it up, get it out there, put it before God. And Job's been advocating, guys, that isn't true. There's nothing in my background. There's nothing in my life. That I, that I can say there's no hidden bodies in my backyard. There's no backstories. But I still need a redeemer. 
I still recognize I am a sinner. I still recognize that I fall far short. I recognize that that I'm not perfect. We read that throughout Scripture, don't we? We read that about other men who are considered to be blameless, and yet we know that, that they're sinners. We know they've fallen short. It might be hard for many of us here to think of, hmm, I wonder what great sin Sam might have committed in his life. And yet Sam would be the first one to tell you, I am a sinner. But we don't see it saying, I am a sinner. My whole life is tainted with sin. There may not be some horrible thing in the past that I have done. No. But I am still a sinner and I still need a redeemer. My only hope is that I have a God, a kinsman redeemer. One who is going to come. One who is going to meet my need. Not only to defend me against charges and attacks, but one who is going to pay the price for me. One who is going to lay down his life for me. The second thing that this passage reminds us of, not only I know that I have a redeemer, and that he needs a redeemer, but that there is a redeemer. That it isn't full of despair. It isn't hopelessness. It isn't that, that there is no means of solution to the sin problem. I know that my Redeemer lives. Is Job's statement. There is one who comes. There is one who steps in. There is one who pays the price. This past week begins the, the season of Lent. It begins that time in which we focus more. Although we should be focusing it on all the time. But I, I know what we mean by that. We pay more particular attention to, to that which is happening in the last weeks of Christ's life. We, we think of the journey to Jerusalem. That he set his face like flint towards Jerusalem, even though that meant, and he had told the disciples numerous times, I'm going to Jerusalem and there men will kill me. There I'll die. Why is he dying? To be our redeemer. To be our kinsman redeemer. That the Son of God takes on our humanity. He takes on flesh in order that he might be one of us. In order that he might pay that price of our sin. Those animal sacrifices of the Old Testament only only were symbols and signs of that which is to come. Job says, I I know that I have a a sacrifice to give. I know that I have a bull that I can sacrifice. No, he says, I have a Gael. I have a redeemer. I have one who is my kinsman. I have one who will come in my flesh like I have and who will pay the price. Who is going to redeem me from sin. The one who is the great I am. The one who is going to say, I come to lay down my life. 
the one that Peter says is the one that is the only name that is given whereby men can be saved, the one who is the way, the truth, and the life, and that no one can come to the Father but by him. The one the Apostle Paul would say to a Philippian jailer, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. The passage is a statement that acknowledges our need because we are sinners. The statement also acknowledges that there does indeed exist this Redeemer, our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. But it's also an acknowledgement of who that Redeemer is. And at, at the last, he will stand upon the earth. I think it was, was the, the great height of genius for Handel to couple those two passages in that song that Sam wanted us to play and listen to. Right? I know that my Redeemer lives, and in the end, he will stand upon the earth. And now is Christ risen. The first fruits of them that sleep. It's not a dead Savior. It's not a dead Redeemer. It's not a dead Messiah hanging from a cross. It is an empty cross just as it is an empty tomb. Because he stands upon the earth. Because he lives. He is alive. That's what Paul is testifying in that passage I read from Colossians. It's what, what John is catching a vision of there in John chapter 5. Not a dead lamb, but a living lamb who roars like a lion because he stands upon the earth. He is the King of kings and he is the Lord of lords. I know that my Redeemer lives. I have a Redeemer. He lives and He reigns and He rules. That's a statement of faith and that's the statement that Sam has made. This is his personal testimony left to us this morning. I know that my Redeemer lives. My Redeemer, not a Redeemer, not some Redeemer, my Redeemer. Job here is taken personal stock. He's taken that personal step, even as Sam did at that very, very young age. I know that my Redeemer lives. My Redeemer, my Savior, my Lord. Reminded of the words of Jesus in the Gospel of Matthew, whoever confesses me before men, I will confess before my Father who is in heaven. Uh, but the warning as well, whoever does not confess me before men, I will not confess before my Father in heaven. Sam made it his lifelong goal to bring the good news of the Redeemer so that there would be more voices in the choir. More voices shouting, Majesty, Majesty, Majesty. More voices saying, Glory and honor and praise and blessing belongs to you, my Redeemer.
It's a statement that acknowledges need, a statement that acknowledges salvation and the existence of a Redeemer, a statement that is a a faith acknowledgement. But it's also a statement of great security. Listen to Job. And after my skin has been thus destroyed, I think the old King James had it perhaps more vividly, right? And even after worms destroy this body. What does he say? That in my flesh shall I see God. That security of knowing that the one who is his redeemer. Who is the first fruits in his resurrection of them that sleep. Is also going to bring about his own resurrection. But you know, there's something, there's something I, I just can't miss in that. And that my eyes shall behold. What was Sam's condition over the course of these last several years? Slowly, the eyesight is diminishing. Yeah, the physical eyes were growing weak. The physical eyes are growing dim. The physical eyes can't see what they used to see. We can't read anymore. The eyes of faith saw clearer and clearer and clearer and clearer. Sam, are you ready? (laughs) I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm ready to see Jesus. That's what Job said. And my eyes shall see God. Those eyes that that grew so clouded. That spot that, that kept growing. Now. As a soul sees, he sees. And he sees God, his Redeemer. That security, that hope, that promise, that inheritance, that eternal inheritance that is kept in heaven for us, guaranteed by the Holy Spirit. Is that what Sam now enjoys? So we mourn. Of course we do. We we miss our loved one. The house is now empty. Anne's got three extra hours a day to do things rather than attend to Sam. We miss our friend. But he does not miss us. He doesn't miss us. How can he? When his eyes see God. But you know, Sam was a missionary all his life, basically. It's a great message of comfort to be left. But I'm pretty sure Sam would not want me to just leave it there without saying 
Do you have that comfort? Do you have that security? Do you have that faith? Do you have that Redeemer? Because you have that need. Every one of us here, Isaiah, Paul, entire word of God testifies we're sinners. And without a Redeemer, there is no hope. The need is there. Do you have a Redeemer? Today, God's word says, is the day of salvation. God is sovereign in these things. God controls these things. God controls these moments. If you are here today without that hope, without that security, without that peace, God may be calling you today. Hear his voice. Not just with your ears, but let your heart be open to know that you can say with Sam, You can say with Job, you can say with each one of us as a believer this morning, these tremendous words, for I know that my Redeemer lives, and at the last He will stand upon the earth, and after my skin has been destroyed, yet in my flesh I shall see God, whom I shall see for myself, my eyes shall behold, and not another. Let's bow in prayer. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the testimony of your word, for this message. Not only in song that we have heard, but even more so this message that comes from your holy word. I don't know how many times Sam may have preached a funeral based upon this text. But he certainly wanted it here at his He wanted us to know. He wanted family to know. He wanted his children, his grandchildren, great-grandchildren. He wanted his friends. He wanted those of you who are viewing perhaps from Mexico. For others joining across this globe. He wanted you to know, I know that my Redeemer lives. And his great invitation to us would be, join me, join me, so that someday together around that throne of the Lamb, we will join in singing glory and honor and praise and blessing now and forevermore. And God's people say, amen. We respond with number 227. 227, I'm going to ask you to stand and sing, How Great Thou Art. Okay? And uh, particularly reflect on that third stanza. And when I think that God, his son not sparing, sent him to die, I scarce can take it in. That on the cross, my burden gladly bearing. He bled and died to take away my sin. And I hope the word my there today, my prayer, is that that is a true statement coming from your lips this morning. Let's stand to sing the four stanzas, How Great Thou Art.
You may be seated. As uh, we are dismissed, um, family, if you want to head out this door, just down the hallway there uh, to the gym, lunch is prepared there. Uh, if you'd like to stay, we certainly would uh, appreciate it, and family certainly would. If you would, if you haven't had a chance to talk to family or to Ann, um, please take that opportunity down in the gym as well. Um, if you didn't get the chance to sign the guest book, I know some of you, uh, we were uh, getting towards the end and perhaps didn't get that opportunity, you can please exit out the back and, and sign then. Um, the pl- tape of uh, songs that uh, Sam had selected just as a postlude will play, um, but will be dismissed. And if you just go um, after the family has exited, just start from the back and head out the back doors go around that way, and then through the doors to the gym. Thank you again for coming, and uh, pray for safety for you as you travel home. Blessings for you upon the Lord's Day as we gather together to, to do what? That which Sam would want us to do, right? What do we do on the Lord's Day? We worship, right? And that's what God, Sam would have us to be doing on the Lord's Day, gathering together in celebration of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Again, thank you for coming. It is appreciated. Family, this way, and then, uh, and friends, and then the rest of you, if you would dismiss out the back.